I'm going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. Several things caught my attention in this particular passage, and so I just want to bring those thoughts to you. Um, Paul starts off and he's going, I should be addressing you as spiritual people right now, but um, you're, you're more like people of the flesh. Now, these are Christians. And you're kind of going, okay, what does he mean by that? Or what was going on there? You know, But what he starts drawing attention to is that there seems to be a certain competitiveness going on, and he's appalled by it. And so when he sees certain people saying, well, I'm part of Paul's group or I'm part of Apollos' group, he is very disturbed by that. And he's going, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about God. And it's easy to, to get caught up in competitiveness, right? I mean, even when we purchase things, oftentimes we're looking for the brand more than we are how functional or how beautiful or anything else connected to it, we want the right brand. And there's a ability to walk to somebody else and say, yeah, I got this brand. You know, or you, you don't even have to tell them. You just kind of show them your phone. I, I don't, you know, you know what I'm saying is we get caught up in those things. Paul is saying in regard to the church, that's a very, very dangerous thing. And then he was, you know, I guess you, you could probably take that even a step further and say when, when we don't even, you know, you could go people, you can go, uh, we're proud of our church, we're proud of our denomination, we're proud, you know, all of that, it, it's got some danger attached to it. And in some ways, too, we get so self-centered, it's almost like, well, I sure am glad you got to see me today. You know, I'm, it's a good thing that I was here. I'm, you know, and you think about it, well, God ought to really be happy. I'm, I'm here on the 4th. I'm not even getting the best chair out there. I hope he's pleased. It, that's the wrong approach, right? It, there's something faulty with that that, that we can see that says, no, this, we have an opportunity to meet God in this setting. And that's what's the special treasure about this place. Um, he says, you're behaving like unregenerate people. So he's not giving them much room with this. He's just saying, I don't like this approach. Um, so he, he goes on and he says, I planted Apollos watered. God brought the increase. And he's likening it to gardening, and he's saying, yeah, we can do a lot of things, but there are a lot of things beyond our control. And in, in planting, there's a knowledge that even if we do our very best, it isn't enough unless there's an intervention. We need sunshine. We need rain. We need good soil. You know, all of that... We can affect a little bit, but we do not have the power to change it. And so he's saying, you know, 
I and Apollos, we did our part, but that's not the big deal in this. Um, he, in the ninth verse, he says, we're co-workers belonging to God. So he's going, you want to point to us? Well, we belong to God. It's, there's nothing that special in our lives, so to speak. We're owned by God. Then he goes on to say, you are God's field and God's building. So he gives two illustrations. Um, I tend to, to like following things uh, on YouTube regarding like passive houses. It's just an interest I have. As often as not, the things that are really drawn out is this architect did this design, you know, it's stamp, or here's the owner and they have this beautiful home. There's, a, a, a not, there's not that much said about the electrician or the window installer or the, sorry guys, that's just the reality. You know, they're looking at the package. And in this, Paul's saying, it's about a temple that's being built, God's temple. You're, you're part of that. And he says, you know, I built as a master builder. I put up in the foundation but whatever is done other than what is of Jesus Christ, it's worthless. So just understand that. And he goes, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each builder's work should be plainly seen, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what each work has done. So in that, he, he is saying that when something's put together, there's a lot of pieces, parts. But if this isn't built around the Lord or by him, it's all going to be exposed at some point, and it's just going to be burned up. Now, I want to take that illustration in a slightly different direction because we get the building side of it. We get, you know, some things are built with wood, some with stone. We understand that. But if we talk about a temple of God, it's real easy to get caught up then, oh, yeah, this building illustration. No, it's, it's a building where he's welding lives together and welding people together. And so let's, let's take that illustration maybe into a family setting or a home setting. You know, you're trying to build a good home together as a, as a family, right? So in that home, um, a clean house doesn't mean much if you don't have a good meal, right? If there's no food in the house, it doesn't really matter if the house is clean. It's, there's something missing. And in the same way, a good meal doesn't replace intimacy. It's just reality. And intimacy is pretty hard to live on if there's no income. Hard to live on love. Right? All these different things. Um, if you, you know, even if you have income coming in, but you don't know how to spend well, it's a fracture point. And it's not enough to bring home a wage if there's no communication. You know, there's the, the picture of the dad who comes home and 
plops on a couch and doesn't want anyone to talk to him, turns on the tube, and, and, and th there's an, an awareness. That's a broken form of family, right? It's just not working. doesn't matter if there's money. There's got to be more going on. In the same way, you know, you can take this further with the yard and with the maintenance and the vehicles. I, I, you get the idea. There's different facets, and you don't build with just one. There's multiple. And in the Lord, each piece has its place and part. And as it does its part, something gets built of the Lord that's powerful and wondrous. And there's an awareness, this is of God, not of us. It's, it goes beyond us, even though he's using our lives. You know, when you, when you talk then, let's put it into temple terms. As a group, we begin to ask, how well are we loving God and loving others? That's kind of the general parameter, right? How well do we as a group Love God. You know, are we, are we truly deeply committed to that at a multiple of levels? And then taking that outward, how well do we love others? You know, how well are we acknowledging the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we have that solidified in our hearts that this is the story of the ages? This is the thing that really matters. And how well are we growing in the character of Christ? You know, like he had mentioned earlier, you're living in the flesh even though you're supposed to be spiritual people. He, he, there's a, an awareness that says we have got to allow our lives to be transformed into the character of God. How well are we serving others and being served by others with ordinary practical activity and with spiritual gifts? You know, there's this awareness that our lives are blending, but it's sometimes in a practical form, sometimes it's in a supernatural form. It doesn't really matter as long as it's of God. And then also, then it's like, how well are we reaching out to the lost and letting others know we have a wondrous thing together. We have this incredible opportunity for God to be in our midst, in our presence. So, you know, he's... He has built this illustration, and he's trying to say it's not about individuals. It's, and he would take it further if we had more conversation. But it's this awareness that Christ in our midst is amazing, and it's a privilege to have that each and every time we gather. He says if, if what someone built survives, he'll receive a reward if someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as though by fire. So he says, you know, there, there, there is a day of reckoning, so to speak, and, and they will all be placed out. Do you not know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Now, in our culture, we're immediately prone to put this into individual form, but I think he's writing corporately, the plural you. Don't you know you're the temple of God? And he's, he's going on to say, if someone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. 
For God's temple is holy, which is what you are. Guard against self-deception, each of you. If someone thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish so that he can become wise. So he's just going, we have a tendency to fool ourselves, and we step into foolishness. And then he quotes, uh, he quotes a passage out of Job. He says, he catches the wise in their craftiness. This sent off alarms for me. He's quoting one of Job's friends. He's not quoting Job. Wait a minute, I thought Job's friends had it wrong. Well, they had right arguments at the wrong time. They had right insights, but they applied them inappropriately. And they, they put God in this box of saying, this is the way it always is. And, and in some ways, Job's life was reflecting that it went outside the box of their understanding. And so I find it very intriguing that Paul grabs this verse. It's accurate in its declaration. But again, in that Job setting, it was Job's friends ended up having to repent. So you know, there was something going on here that, yeah, if you're a Bible geek, it, it's interesting to you. Um, a few more verses. So no more boasting about mere mortals. Everything belongs to you. Did you hear that? It says everything belongs to you. And then he lists part of that everything. He says, Paul, Apollos, Peter, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. And what he's saying is, everything connected with this is for your blessing. Everything attached to this is has the potential to bless your life. So whether the teaching came from Peter or Paulus or, Pete, or, or Paul, doesn't really matter. It's there for your blessing. Then going on, it's like whether you're living or dying, it's for your blessing. That's an incredible thought. Whether life or death, it's good in the Lord. This is like that Romans 8 passage where Paul is writing, all things work together for good. And later he's saying, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And he gives a big, long list. And in some ways, he's developing this same thought when he's saying, everything is yours. Every facet of life can be used for blessing. So whether it's tragedy or wondrousness. All of that has the potential to be used of value for you. It's, it's amazing. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. So I look at that, and I'm just kind of, I, I'm amazed. You know, he, earlier in this book, he made a declaration. He says, you were made rich in every way. And again, we tend to associate riches with, with finance, right? But he goes on and explains his thought, and he says, in your speech, in your knowledge, you were given gifts from the Lord. You were made wealthy in, 
in a sense, there's a, the, the opportunity to declare the good things of God. When you were given insights into who God is and how he functions, that was riches. And he goes on to say, and he will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless. In other words, your life is being transformed. That's a wealth so that you can stand before God blameless. And he, he takes it further and he says, and God is faithful by whom you are called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. So he's, he's given them speech. He's given them wisdom. I miss the, the spiritual gifts, but it's in there. And then this development of, toward uh, uh, health or well-being in the sense of strengthening of character. So when I look at these things and I'm going, we often get preoccupied with the wrong things. We often tend to diminish what really is the potential even when we gather together. And it's, it's not about our music. It's not about our sermons. It's not about our building. It's about Christ. And if his presence is in our midst, that's amazing. But that's what we long for. That's what we seek. That's what we acknowledge as the true source of, of treasure, so to speak, every time we gather. And that's what we've got to keep in mind. Thank you, Lord, for your scripture. It speaks life. Thank you for the privilege we have of having you dwell in our midst and build us into your temple. Let that work be complete, we ask. Amen. Joy to be with you today. Pray that you have a great weekend. I want to ask God's blessing upon you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to see that everything is theirs in you. Ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.